Um, setting the context a little bit, of course, Jesus was always under attack from everywhere. He was under attack from the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and anybody he came in contact with. It seems like Jesus, the only ones that were open to Jesus were sinners. And in the context here, we see in 22, 15 to 22, that he, Jesus taught about paying taxes. Uh, I'm, I'm not big on paying taxes, but Jesus said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. And then the Sadducees, more importantly, the Sadducees asked him a very pointed question about the resurrection. And I'm going to read in verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus' response to them about the resurrection. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. And then he goes on to say that there is no marriage in heaven, that they become like angels when they die. So uh, as a Pharisee, you're listening to Jesus put down the Sadducees because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection to start with. So when the Pharisees hear this, they go, wow, okay, put down the Sadducees, but what about us? So in verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Of course they did. They gathered together to find out a plan to which they could trap Jesus. Again, this was a long-standing problem in Jesus' ministry. People were always trying to get him. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And of course, our text today, Jesus says, and he said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And second is like it. That means very similar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, on these two commandments, everything depends or the on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets so here Jesus responds to them and what I want to look at first this morning is number one simply to love God and Jesus gives the command and he said to them you shall love your God you shall love the Lord your God the word love agapao means great affection to have intense love for something. So Jesus having put the Sadducees straight on the resurrection, because they didn't believe in the resurrection anyway, now he's going to address the Pharisees who are trying to trap him. And so when he says, you shall love the Lord your God, he is setting a precedent. Now let's, let's look at something. I know if you've got your uh, smartphones or tablets, you'll be able to see this PowerPoint. Moses was the lawgiver. God gave Moses the laws at Mount Sinai. He gave them to the people. So when we talk about the Pharisees asking Jesus, this lawyer in particular asking Jesus, what they were trying to do was to trap him. But Jesus' response is brilliant. 
Now, if you look at the Old Testament, this is fact. In the Pentateuch, there were 613 commands. 613. So when later on Paul writes, if you've fallen at one point of the law, you've broken it all, therefore you can't live under the law. There were 613 commands, and uh, a lot of these commands were sacrificial, ceremonial, and moral laws. So in other words, if you could, you could be obeying one set of laws but breaking the other set. And so Jesus' response, I think, is just brilliant because what he does is he summarizes everything perfectly. Of course, we expect that because Jesus is the Son of God. Of those 613 commands, 248 of them are positive. There would be things that we would probably get along with, be able to do in our own lives. 365 of those commands are negative. Things that you should avoid, things that you should not do. So out 613 commands, uh, this lawyer wants to know out of that large spectrum of laws, which one is the greatest? Well, Jesus gives them what is already in the law. He says, Hear, O hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. That's in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Three things can be brought out here. Number one, Jesus is asking for devotion to God. He says, if you want to start by asking which is the greatest law, the first thing you've got to get settled is your love and affection for God. Because, see, you can be living the law at certain parts, but miss the most important thing, which is internal. That is that you love God with everything that you have. And the question this morning is, do you love God with everything that you have? That's key. So Jesus he, he, even, he, even though he did quote Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, what Jesus is going after is not the external law. He's going at the internal law. Some people say, well, the law was external in the Old Testament. That's true, but the heart was always involved in trying to keep those laws. A second thing is that he is the ruler over mankind. This word, Lord, speaks of rulership. Would remind us all this morning that God is the creator of the universe. He is Lord over all. He is also, also theos, which is the Hebrew, uh, the Greek word for God here. Theos means that he is the one true God. So the, the, the call of Jesus is not specifically to one specific command or commandment but you know you must have if you're a Pharisee you're looking at this and, and you're thinking wow he didn't talk about this law and he didn't talk about this law he didn't talk about this law wow what is he talking about well it's an inward deal this is an inward deal it has always been an inward deal with God it is never about the externals it is always the internal because you can look good on the outside and be really bad on the inside and so Jesus responds here. You have to love the Lord your God. 
That's the starting point for keeping any law, any command. And this is why Paul says, if you stumble at one point, you stumble at all. And therefore, it's impossible to live the law legalistically. And that I have seen that throughout 30 years of pastoral ministry. People keep some of the law, or they try to live by the law, and they fail because their inward is not right with God. So that adds the question here, how do we love God? Jesus said, I want you to love God. How do you do that? Well, Jesus gives us the prescription. We've already mentioned it. Uh, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. That's the essence. That's the essence of the greatest command. The essence is inward. If you think about these three words for a minute, the word cart is hardia, a cardia, and that means the heart, who you are as a person. It is the inner being. It is your desires. So what he's saying here with this word cardia is that loving God requires that inwardly all of your desires and all of your, your emotions are to be focused on Theos, on God. Secondly, is this word sufe or soul and that means thoughts feelings emotions you know it 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 really does it really does come down to the fact that where are your thoughts where are your feelings where are your emotions in relation to god we have so many things in our world today brothers and sisters that pull our emotions and our thoughts away from us. I want you to move your emotions and your thoughts over here. We don't want you to be dedicated to God. We don't want you to live for Him in this world. Uh, the world pulls us. And that can become very dangerous and very treacherous, treacherous in our Christian walk. And then there's the word mind. Dionia. Dionia, and that means the place of reasoning, thinking, deciding. So when Jesus says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, he's talking about the inward makeup of who you are, every facet of who you are. Because you can, you, like I said, you can do the externals of the law and look good on the outside, but the inside's not right. And I, you know, so many times I, I met, I met what I call a lot of legalists in my time as a pastor, thinking, you know, they, they, they preach really good about you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do the other. And yet, eventually and inevitably, what happens is the lawyer cannot reach his own standard or her own standard, and they fall short. Why is that? I'll tell you why it is. Because there's two ways that you can live the Christian life. You can live it legalistically, or you can live it, live it loving. Those are two distinct dimensions. And Jesus is trying to separate that. You, you could see these, these lawyers, these Pharisees, saying, okay, lawyer, this is, this is what you need to do. Let's, let's try to trip Jesus up. Because we have some ideas about what the greatest law is, what the greatest commandment is. We have, we have some ideas. Let's see what this Jesus responds with. And Jesus blew them away. 
because they had, they had forgotten the Deuteronomy text that Jesus so masterfully brought in. A couple here walking along the beach, they're obviously in love. Do you remember when you fell in love for the first time and you couldn't you couldn't wait to see your your husband or your or your wife and how how that how that affection just you just loved each other. You wanted to spend time together. You wanted to be around each other. That's kind of the idea here, this affectionate love. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you in love with God? Are you in love with Jesus? How are your affections? And your thoughts and your emotions, are they all geared towards God? Jesus will make the argument here in just a minute that until that gets straight, you can't possibly live in a right relationship, not only with him, but with man. This is the first and greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I like what Craig Bloomberg said in his commentary, the relationship of all the Old Testament to the double love commandments, which we're looking at, shows that there is a hierarchy of the law that above all requires one's heart and attitude to be correct. If this is absent, now listen to what Bloomberg says here. If this is absent, Obedience to the commandment degenerates into mere legalism. Look, I've said this for 30 years and I'll keep saying it. God is more concerned about our hearts than anything else. This venture that we live and we walk and we talk with Jesus is all about the heart. And if our hearts are not right, particularly in our relationship with God, nothing else is going to be proper. And so if you're a Pharisee and you're listening to this, you're, you're probably thinking, wow, he didn't hit this law. He didn't hit this law. He didn't even talk about the sacrificial law here. He didn't talk about the ceremonial law. He didn't talk about this, this, and this. No, Jesus put it back on them in their heart. And that is the key. This, Jesus says, is the greatest commandment. Let me say this. This is me. I even put it on the PowerPoint. You can live the letter of the law, but miss the spirit of the law. You can live the letter of the law uh, if it were possible to do that. And if it were possible to do that, Jesus would have never had to come and go to the cross. But you can look like you're living the letter of the law, but miss the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law says your relationship has, that is priority for every believer is our relationship to God. Because if that is not right, brothers and sisters, Nothing else is going to be right. 
And so Jesus, speaking to the lawyers here, he's already hit the Sadducees. And he says, look, that is the first and greatest. So how do we love God this way? Let me give you three practical things that you can do. First of all, come before him. Just come before him. Say, Father, you know, I haven't quite been living the way you want me to live. And I know it, and you know it. So, God, I'm asking that you would return the joy of my salvation to my heart. Lord, I want to be in a relationship with you that is a loving, ongoing relationship. Jesus, Jesus himself is not a set of rules and principles. Jesus is ultimately, in our lives, a relationship. It is a relationship built on love and respect. Jesus loves you. The question is, do we love him? And so, again, you can live the letter of the law or seemingly live the letter of the law and miss the spirit of the law. Secondly, you can refocus your life. I've, I've seen, you know, one thing that sadly has gone bye-bye in the 21st century is revivals. And when I was a young pastor coming up, I, I, preached, I preached revivals. And, and I've been in them where I've been preached at. So I've been on both sides of the fence. And I can tell you that when you have a revival speaker that's really good, it can really make people think and turn back to God. And again, it it may be archaic in our culture today, but revivals really can help us refocus our life, what is really, really, really important. So, you know, brothers and sisters, those of you that are watching by Facebook, if you want to be in a loving relationship with God, just refocus your life. Here. You just say, Lord, this is the mess that I've made. This is the mess that I've made. And I'm going to lay that mess at your feet. And from now on, from this point, I'm just going to try to live for you. And I'm going to fall in love with you. Uh, You remember those days when you used to study scripture and you used to pray for people and and you used to be active in the in the church and and but slowly and suddenly things come along and you kind of drift and you kind of uh, migrate away from God. Uh, Why not just say, okay, you know what I need today? And this is the wonderful thing about God. This is the wonderful thing about God. All you have to do is just ask for forgiveness Drift back, and you know what? God, I'm going to tell you this as his minister and under-shepherd to you today. That if you ask for forgiveness, God will wipe the debt clean. God's in the cleansing business. And, you know, the only way that we can today as as born-again believers, again, this is not about what we look like. This is about who we are inwardly. And Jesus is exposing the Pharisees for who they are. Oh, they're really good at talking about the law, but they don't love God. That's the point here. And, you know, long time ago, 
there was a guy that that I knew that he was very legalistic. He didn't uh, he didn't think that I was good enough for Audrey. I was a new believer. She had been a believer three years, and he said, you're just not good enough for her. He was very legalistic. He wound up, his marriage ended years later, maybe five or six years later. Audrey and I are now going on 38. Here's the deal. If you're a legalist, you'll eventually not be able to reach your own standard. And a second thing to think about here is God can do amazing things in the life of people that you think he cannot do anything through. That's God. That's, that's Yode Haveh. That's Yahweh. That's the God that I worship. He can do anything. Yeah, maybe at the time I wasn't good for Audrey, but God can change a life. Look at you. Look at your life. God's changed it, right? Those of you that are watching by Facebook, God's changed your life. He's changed your heart. You know who you are today, and it's not because of anything that you've done. It's because of what he's done through you. So, yeah, Jesus says you must love God, and the essence of that is with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That is number one. Secondly, not only love God, I'm trying to keep this sermon very simple, but love others. And Jesus mentions the neighbor. And second is like it, Jesus said, and that's very similar. It resembles it, Jesus says. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Guess what word is used for love? Agapal. Same word to use of love for God. It's the same exact word. So here's the thing. Jesus is saying, if you don't love God with the agapeo love, you're not going to love your neighbor with the same type of love. So in other words, you love God the same way that you're going to love your neighbor. You've got to put the same love there. So if you don't understand number one, you can't possibly live out number two. And so he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I got a picture here of the neighborhood. By the way, this is the neighborhood. This is your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? It's all around you. It's the person next door. It's the guy you see picking up his newspaper every morning. You wave hi to. It's the mailman that comes by. That's part of your neighborhood. You're supposed to love those people with the same love that you love God. And I get it. Sometimes people can be irritating. I get that. But if the love of God is right, you can love them. Listen to this. This is so beautiful. That you can love them the same way that God loved you when you were irritable. When you were unloving. God loved you. You know, God loves unbelievers. Did you know that? He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for them. He loves them. So we've got to let put our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts aside and say, how am I going to love this person the same way that I love God? Maybe it means you walk down the road and you just introduce yourself and you say hi and you say, I, I, I'm, I'm in the area, I live next door to you, I don't know you. But you're supposed to love your neighbor. That's what Jesus said. This is our neighborhood. This is our neighborhood. 
I was so happy the first time we did this, there were people over there at the bar and I wanted them to hear. I was so happy that they were able to hear. Well, this is our neighborhood. That's who your neighbor is. It's not the people that you know all the time, although they're still your neighbors, but everybody that is in the, in, in the realm of your life is your neighbor, and you're supposed to love them with the same love that you love God. So think of it this way. If your relationship is not right with God, how do you think it's going to fare well when it comes to dealing with other people? Probably not well. And usually what happens in those cases, when you're not loving God the way, and you're not loving God the way you're supposed to, and so you love people with the self with a self love. What can I get from this person? What what can they do for me? That's not the kind of love that we do for God. The kind of love we do for God is I want to serve Him with my life. I don't have any hidden agendas. I don't have any uh, wrong motives, and that's what we've got to be careful with in our relationship with with others. This this is something that I think is important. <clears throat> the elderly today. And during this COVID virus, coronavirus, um, we need to be watching, the, watching out for them and taking care of them because they're the most important people, particularly when it comes to this virus. If you've got an older person that you live next door to, be sure to check on them. Even if you can't go in, you just look through the window and wave at them and See if they need anything. Maybe they can open the door. You can talk to them. That's all part of loving your neighbor. Stuart Weber, in his commentary, they are not to be separated. It is impossible to love, it is impossible to love God without loving people. For his law and heart's desire is to love others. The measure by which we know if we are truly loving people is if we love them as much as we love ourselves. The measure, he says, by which we know if we are truly loving people is if we love them as much as we love ourselves. Boy, we love ourselves, don't we? Let me take a selfie. I got a selfie. You know they even have selfie sticks nowadays? They have selfie sticks. Look at what we're doing. Look at how we're acting. Look, aren't you, don't you wish you were here with us? We love, and then, th then there's the ones that really crack me up. The ones that are trying to look real cool. You know, or, or, or they're trying to look pretty. Those are all, that's all loving yourself. That's all loving yourself. So the best way is, if I'm going to love people properly, then I have to make sure the relationship's right with God and I have to make sure that I love them like I love myself. And then reflect your own love. Jesus didn't say you're not supposed to love yourself. 
Because he says it here, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's nothing wrong with self-love. Uh, you should love yourself because you're, God loves you. But there's a perverted version of that self-love. Where you are the end-all, be-all type. That's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about. It's a healthy love. In fact, Satan, one thing he'd like you to do is not like yourself. But you're made in the image of God. So it's not about loving yourself. It's about what you do with loving yourself. And Jesus says you have to love your neighbor. So some questions here. How do you treat others in your daily dealings? Do you reflect the love of Christ? How, do, how would you be perceived by another Christian standing around you? Secondly, do we care about others? Are we only worried about ourselves? That's an easy trap to get caught in. Do we meet their needs? Do you have somebody in your life today that has a need that needs to be met? Maybe today is a good day. Do we carry burdens? You know somebody in your life may be in the neighborhood that's having a burden. Are you trying to help meet those burdens and needs? Those are all good questions. And lastly, verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I have a coat hanger here. It's got the law and the prophets. So these two commands, to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and the second like it un liken unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. If you were to summarize the entire law, you could hang them up on a coat hanger of the law and the prophets because every all 613 laws deal with one of these two aspects. So if we're not in love with God, how can we possibly be in love with man? And if we're in love with man but not with God, it's not really a true godly love. So that's why Jesus put it first. We've got to get right with God first. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Galatians 5.3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, that was part of the law, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. The whole law meaning 613 laws along with the ceremonial and sacrificial. Otherwise, Paul writes in the next verse, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. In other words, you've never had grace. You can't live by law. And expect to get into the kingdom of God and expect to gain God's favor when your love for him is absent. And your love for others because the whole laws, all the laws in the Old Testament are summarized in these two. And I had Dr. Judson Vaughn at uh, Florida Baptist Theological College years ago. 
Dr. Vaughn was very soft-spoken. You've heard me mention him before, very soft-spoken. Um, and he was talking specifically about these verses. And it's kind of funny. I, I, I kept all of my notes from that class. I, I came across them this week, and I was shocked. <laughs> I said, wow, that was, that was 31 years ago, and I, I kept them. And I was looking over what Dr. Vaughn uh, had said. And doc, Dr. Vaughn retired in 2009. Uh, I found that out because I looked him up online and found out that he had retired in 2009. And you could see the list. The list of people that had said wonderful things about him. I, I've never met a man who was so humble and so wise in all of my life. He made a huge impact. And he got cards and letters, and it wasn't fake. It was, I didn't even know he, maybe I can find his address and send him something. But I took some notes. This is what I wrote that day. This is from 1992, Judson Vaughn, Florida Baptist Theological College. The quotation is taken from class notes in 1992. This is what Dr. Vaughn said about these passages. The challenge to the believer that is presented in Matthew 22:37 to 40 is to bring together the vertical and horizontal dimensions of one's life. It forms the cross, our relationship to God and our relationship to each other, Dr. Vaughn writes. It teaches that one relates to his fellow man properly only when he does so based on a right relationship to God. That's what I wrote that day in class. Like I said, I was amazed that I I still had that. It teaches that one relates to his fellow man properly only when he does so based on a right relationship with God. And therefore you have man, relationship to God, man's relationship to man forming the cross. And that's why Jesus died. To reconcile us to God and us to one another. Make sure to settle the issue of the heart first. When that gets settled, <laughs> kind of funny I'm revisiting college today. I, I really wouldn't want to go back and struggle like that again. But um, when I was in Dr. Haney's class, Ministry 101, he saw me, I was at the back of the class, and he saw me squinting. And after class, Dr. Haney walked up to me, and he said, Hey, Michael, you got a minute? And I said, Yeah. And he said, uh, I noticed that you're squinting. I said, Well, I can't see the board. <laughs> Dr. Haney said, Maybe you need some glasses. And I said, Okay. So I went to get glasses. Do you know when I put the glasses on? 
everything changed. I was amazed. I looked at leaves on the tree and I go, whoa. I don't even know how I passed my driver's test without glasses. I'm not even sure God must have been with me. But everything changed. When I put those glasses on, everything was crystal clear. Here's the deal. When your heart gets right with God, it will change everything. It will change your perspective. It will change your view and your outlook on life. And that's why Jesus said, number one, get that straight. And number two, we'll basically follow as long as you are loving people the way that you love yourself because you'll be in a proper relationship with